Welcome to the Insider Safe Place for Men podcast show. Because every male survivor deserves hope, healing, support, and a BMW. And here's your male survivor, leadership coach, and hypnotherapist, Thomas Edward. All right, everybody, welcome. Happy Friday to you once again. And welcome to the Safe Place for Men Insiders podcast. Yep, this is Coach T. Thomas Edward actually coming to you from Triple Digit, California. Uh, yeah, you know, and I didn't get out early this morning because I, I had a call where I was working with someone this morning. And so I'm getting on kind of late here. It's almost... Well, let's see, it's almost 11 o'clock here, so that means it's going to be a little bit warmer outside, but that's okay. So how are you guys doing today? How are you doing this week? It looks like when you look at the uh, the, the globe model out there, it looks like the whole world is on fire, right? Places are experiencing um, super heat, and, you know, for me, I'm thinking, okay, well, for where I live, this is, I mean, it's beyond, you know, so if you have triple digits like every day, but... It's it's been hot, right? So last year we had, you know, just so many fires where it was just, you know, smoke was here like fog. And uh this year, well, we've got even more heat. And I think there were a, a fire that that started, but I think they might actually have it uh contained already, which is okay, but then, you know, Yosemite, there was a fire in Yosemite that took place. So I just think that things just seem to be getting a little bit hotter, right? <laughs> Around here. So we just have to adapt. Hey, so if you guys uh, haven't had an opportunity, uh, last week was a cool week, so I got to hang with Raj, and uh, Raj has never been on the on the program before, um, but what he did was he gave me kind of a little testimonial, and actually, um, I put it up on, on the website, so if you have an opportunity and you want to know a little bit about Raj and who he is, just go up to the website, and then um, they're on the homepage, and you can click on how Safe Place got me the life that I wanted. And you can uh, read a little bit about um, his story that was cool. Uh, Raj is a cool guy. You know, so when I get a chance and opportunity to kind of connect with with individuals, you know, uh, blast from the past, you know, guys I've worked with maybe 10 years ago or uh, still one, you know, when I first started, I had <laughs> one individual um, John and I contacted uh, him or hooked up with him and we spent some time with he and his family and stuff. And it was just great, right? It's, it's, it's always inspiring. It just keeps me going when I have an opportunity to actually, you know, be with people that I've, that I've had an opportunity to coach and work through the stuff. And they just like, yeah, my life is awesome. My life is wonderful. Thank you. And we kind of reminisce and we talk about, you know, those points where it was like, Ooh, you know, how is this going to go? Where are we going? Or the, sometimes the parts when people felt like they wanted to punch me in the face, you know, because we're bringing the stuff to the surface and confronting it and, and moving it out and like, yo T, where are you going with this? But then when we get on the other side, right. Then they're like, man, that is Great. So, yeah, go up to the website if you want to read just a little bit about Raj. He shared his testimony uh, with us there and uh, how Safe Plays got him the life that he wanted. 
And then I told you guys, uh, I think it was last week, that I'm you know working with some organizations on some different things, and and I'm working on, um, uh, you know, for me, I call it succession planning, right? So from the perspective, it's like, okay, you know, been doing this for 20 years, but what happens when I'm not here? Okay, yeah, I know we all have to face it. And it's like, I don't want this to disappear. I want this to continue on, right? And so, you know, when I think about, you know, the survivors that I've worked with in the past and putting the feelers out and say, hey, is there, is there anyone who feels inside of them that maybe this is something that they would want to do? And if so, that's the case. You know what? We're going to get a group together or whatever and start training so that this continues to go on, the coaching of male survivors continues to go on. And then, you know, the different, you know, techniques and things that I've learned over the, the years and, um, you know, the different strategies so it can pass those on and so that it can continue. So I'm working on, you know, that too and some other, you know, web stuff on the, on the backside and then um, probably maybe September, October, um, be doing some more, um, interviews, you know, so flying out, meeting with some survivors and doing some interviews and then, you know, hopefully get a couple of workshops in again. So, and still those of you that are insider members and you're doing the private coaching with me. So we've got that also going on too. So it's, it's good. It, it's good. So it's just, uh, I got my, my calendar here and, and I'm always, I'm always, now, with my time, I'm very particular <laughs> with my time because I'm the type of person, if I make a promise to you, I keep my word, right? And so it's really important for me to make sure that I that I don't double book or, you know, even when I have clients uh, coming in that I'm working with, I want to be able to make sure I can give them the time that they need, the time no, because this is an investment. You know, when you're when you're coaching and you're working with someone, this is an investment. And to me, it's important that you're getting your money's worth, right? And so, if you go up to Raj and you read his thing, he'll share with he'll share with you. Um, um, I'm going to say his per perspective on that. All right, guys. So um, today, I'm going to talk a little bit, and this comes out. You guys know, usually when I have a session or something. Uh, oftentimes uh, the podcast, unless you guys send me questions and things, um, it kind of comes out what we were talking about. And so I was working with someone and I was just sharing with them the whole concept of how to take your, your stress and turn it into what we call optimal stress, right? So taking the, the everyday stress that you have and turning it into optimal stress. And because when we think about it, um, you know, manage well, stress can actually be an ally, I'm going to say rather than the enemy, right? And so it just depends on how you use it. Um, so just think about kind of, I'm going to think of this scenario. So since we've got COVID and all these different type of things, and so uh, we'll call this person John. So let's say John, you know, he's stressed out, he's been working, you know, he kind of hoped that, you know, he would be able to take a vacation. And then by taking a vacation, he kind of, you know, reset and that he could, um, giving them time like to be in that productive state of, of mind or stream of consciousness. And, and through that, that growing sense of frustration, anxiety, and restlessness, especially like now, right, during the, during the pandemic, that feeling of pandemic, that there would, would be some way out of this. 
Now, let me share with you a, a little bit about this individual. And so this individual, he's, we would consider him to be, I'm going to say, a, a successful, successful person. So or he's working, you know, a nice place. He's doing doing his job and, you know, usually copes with stress quite well. And um, but now he's kind of in a state where he feels like he can barely get any sleep, like any sleep at nighttime. And he's a survivor. He's notices that he's doing things less for himself. That's one of the reasons we're always doing coaching because it helps us to hold us accountable. But he, but he notices that, you know, one, he's not sleeping well, he's exercising less. So then that means he's probably, he says he's gaining a little bit of weight. Um, and then he says that sometimes his heart just like races for no, what he says, obvious reason. So, now, we all know when we talk about the whole cortisol cycle and those different type of things. And so then what does that mean? It starts adding up. And so now, you know, he's having trouble like staying on task. He's getting more uh, irritable, you know, like with the people at work, his family. He says that he finds himself, he finds himself, um, he's working longer hours. And despite, because he actually has to commute back and back and forth, um, he says that he just finds himself like being quicker to anger, you know, with the family and kids and, and partner. And he's just struggling to, to juggle kind of the needs of his, if you want to call it work life career, you know, with the care of, you know, taking care of, you know, the kids, those different type of things, you know, so he feels like, okay, this time that I'm sitting in front of the, the laptop and balancing that with my kindergartner, you know, while he says, I feel like I'm also having like these just symptoms of like depression and anxiety. Okay. Now, usually when someone's working with me and I, and I, and I hear those things and cause I've kind of been that, and especially, you know, if it's a person I'm going to call, you know, um, type a, whatever personality, um, I know that they're oftentimes heading for a burnout or maybe they are burnt out. And so oftentimes when I'm coaching individuals, that's that's where they were. I had one guy that I was working with, um, I think it was about a month ago, and we're sitting there and we're going through the different things in his life. And I asked him to give me like, you know, the top three things that, you know, he he needs to address what's going on. And it was interesting as, as I wrote them there on the board when we got to the third one, I'm like, what are the top three things, right? And he's talking about strategies and alliances and enablement, all these different type of business terms because he's an executive. And then we get to number three, and number three is like health and wellness. Now, I didn't say anything, but I just I just wrote him there so he could see the what he considers to be the top three priorities, now, with him, he's an individual, he's an executive who's had um, a stroke before. And so I just stepped back. I didn't say anything. I just put him up there and he took a look at it and he finally he says, you know what? I'm trying to figure out why number three isn't number one. Right. And so that was his his health and wellness. Right. Because he's like, I don't want I don't want to end up back in the, in the hospital. I was I was in a coma for like a month last time I had one of these whatever episodes. And I'm like, yeah, so what do you want to do about that? You know, <laughs> how do you want to to reverse this? What's going to actually be more important to you? And so when we're thinking about, you know, stress and experiencing the levels of stress um, that are overwhelming for us, 
And maybe we have coping strategies that worked in the past, but they're not working for us now. And the thing is, by losing our ability to manage the stress, you know, and not knowing, I'm going to say, when to seek help, what we're doing is we're putting ourselves at risk. We're putting our health at risk. We're putting our personal relationships at at risk and even our professional success at risk risk. And so then I want you to to think of kind of what's the the core count the the core challenge. And I think the core challenge probably is that for many people out there, many survivors out there, we kind of have this misguided view of stress itself. And especially if we are a survivor and we're dealing with oftentimes the stress that comes from maybe shame or guilt or whatever of dealing with the sexual abuse. And it contributes to our inability um, actually to recognize and manage it, right? And so there are many people, and like I said, sometimes I'm dealing with, you know, personality type A individuals. And so their view of stress is often, I'm going to say, a negative one. And so then sometimes what they do is they actually, they fight through it or or they minimize it. And then as a result, what happens is they manage the stress ineffectively. Okay. So let's just talk about this because remember we're talking about kind of how to optimize this. So here's the thing. We talked about that view of stress being negative, but let's, let's flip it on its head a little bit, right? Let's put on our, our coaching hat, right? Cause you're here, you're coaching with me. And we're like, okay, well, what would be another way of, of actually looking at stress and thinking about stress? Well, okay. If we look at it, I'm going to say from a, a biological perspective, we also know that stress, I'm going to say, serves as a, a natural um, physiological purpose that can actually help us to actually um, solve important problems. It can actually help us to learn and grow from our experiences. So here's the thing. What I'm saying is maybe instead of trying to eliminate or tamp down the, the stress, maybe we should try to understand it and optimize it. Because when we do that, then that actually minimizes the downsides while you start capturing more of the upsides, right? And so I'm going to say no meaningful life is stress-free, okay? And so one of the things, if you are experiencing the stress, realize that, huh, this can actually possibly maybe be turned into what we might call optimal stress because when we manage it correctly, that stress can actually be an engine of personal growth and actually performance. So we can use it to actually move us further. Now, so let's, let's think about this because you guys know I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to run into, cause I always usually do. If you want to say when we're talking about um, kind of the, the neuroscience, right? So then let's, you know, you know what we got to do. That means we're going to go into our consider this your wake up call. Boom. What was that? Me dropping some knowledge on you. All right. So let's drop a little knowledge here. All right. So let's talk. I'm going to say a little bit of, of medical facts here. Now, we said that there is nothing inherently, I'm going to say negative about the physiological side of stress. Okay. So what it is, it's a hormonal jolt of adrenaline and cortisol. And what happens is it's brought on by our sympathetic nervous system. And what it does, it gives us actually a boost of energy and mental focus actually to confront an actual or perceived threat. Now, this is one of the things for us as survivors, as we're talking about 
sometimes we're caught. And if you don't remember this, go back to the podcast where we talk about the broca, right? So that part of the brain, maybe my broca is broken. And so sometimes we have a hard time differentiating if it is actually, did I say that right? Differentiation or the differentiation, whenever. Distinguishing, let's use that. Maybe that's a better word. <laughs> Distinguishing if something is an actual or perceived threat. And that might depend on not just the coping skills, but how much we've actually worked on whether the issue is for us to realize if it's an actual or perceived threat. Now, in a normal stress response, what happens is when the threat passes, the heightened state is followed by a calming effect of our parasympathetic nervous system. So think of this as a wave, kind of a wave curve. So, um, okay, so think of a wave curve. So think about you got the lower part of the wave, it goes up and to the top and then it comes down, right? So on the first part of the wave, we got our stress and it's going higher and higher and higher till it gets to the point where it peaks, okay? So that period from that low part to the top part, we're going to call that our adaptive stress response. However, we're normally dealing with it. That's going to be our adaptive stress response or stress response. Then when we come down on the other side of the wave, that's where we have what's known as the recovery and rest. And so as we were saying, what happens is, is the effect of the parathepsis parasympathetic nervous system, a natural break returning us to that state of recovery and rest. And so our body, our, our mind calms and we restore our resources. Okay. Cause we, cause our body has to prepare for whatever the next challenge is. But too often what happens is this, we don't calm down. All right. So we get to the top of the wave and instead of coming to the other side of the wave, calming down, we continue to experience the stressor without the restorative effects, I'm going to say, of the natural stress response. And this is what we're going to call chronic stress. So for us as, as survivors, which, of course, is then going to be associated with things like mood swings. Um, you're going to have reduced empathy. You're going to have, you know, the impulse control is going to be an issue for us. And we're going to actually... From a physical side, what we're doing now is we're increasing our risk, of course, of cardiovascular disease, stroke, and other ailments. And, and so the person that I was coaching, that was one of the issues, right? So not being able to optimize the strength. And so number three on his list was health and wellness. But it's like, dude, you've had a couple, like, uh, whatever, strokes before. And it's like, are you taking yourself back there? So when we look at that that curve, that adaptive stress, you're not adapting too well because you're staying up here at the top of the wave, that curve, and you're not coming down to the recovery and rest. And so there's something that we have to do about that. Okay, so that's, of course, some of the things that we're, we're working on. So, so when we don't properly recover, I'm going to say after a stressful episode, what happened is we continue to absorb stress unconsciously. Right. And like we said, then that results into the chronic stress. Right. So let me just talk about like some of the warning signs. I mean, since since we're here, let's let's do it. Like so from a physical perspective, I might be experiencing, you know, a headache, um, stomach ache, um, muscle tightness or, or, or even an elevated heart rate. 
maybe from a behavioral perspective, um, I know some a little bit more bossy or I'm arguing or a little bit more combative with with people or I actually have an increased alcohol or substance use. Right. Remember, we talked about that, the coping patterns before or I'm doing things compulsively, whether it be compulsive eating, compulsive sex, whatever, smoking. And it could even be um, withdrawal. And so I noticed, like we said, we're shouting a little bit more, arguing, crying, withdrawal, all those different type of things. And then from an emotional perspective, I'm feeling a little bit more anxiousness. But then sometimes I'm just totally like bored, like bored out of my mind, edginess. And then I notice for survivors, we often hit this what I call powerlessness. Um, not Yeah, bubble, I guess you could say that we're, we're kind of in. And then cognitively, we're not thinking clearly. You notice that you're being quite a bit forgetful and you're like, you know, you just talk, oh, you know, old age, you know, I'm past 50, whatever. So, you know, but actually it's it's the stress, the chronic stress. Indecisiveness, man, can tell you the number of survivors that I, that I work with. And because they're under the stress, the indecisiveness is there. And then just losing that, you know, the inability to focus. And so this chronic stress, you know, it's opening the door for burnout, burnout, whatever it is, you know, uh, in our work or just the things that we're doing. So we've got this toxic uh, mix of exhaustion, you know, and so that's going to reduce us in, in different areas. And so in our professional work, maybe we're going to become more, you know, cynical. <laughs> I think there was a Gallup poll that was done, if I'm not mistaken, and it talks about um, people when they were in chronic stress. Let's see, what was it? I think it suggested that it affects about um, what two-thirds, whatever, of the individuals uh, at any given time. And then they were talking about how the pandemic, you know, likely actually increased the likelihood of burnout because of the stress. Okay, so then what's the nice side? Okay, so we got that first part of the wave. We've got the chronic stress. What's going on? Well, okay, so when it's well managed, though, stress can actually be a path to personal growth, right? And so I don't know the sign. Well, that sounds a little bit strange. Oftentimes, as a coach, and I'm working with individuals, and they're like, okay, come on, Coach T. And, you know, I know you're being positive here, but how can that, how can, you know, that stress actually be a path to personal growth? Well, the thing is to, to turn that stress and I'm going to say into an opportunity for growth is to first to find out what is your optimal stress point. And so the key is understanding our own stress so that we can better harness, I'm going to say our body's natural, normal stress response rather than only being, I'm going to say, subservient to it, being captured by it being sabotaged by it. And then through practice, and that's what the things that I do when I'm working with clients, we're using the neuroscience and stuff. Through practice, we learn to move, I'm going to say deliberately, between engaged state, where we're energized, we're focused, we're creative, we're productive, and that recovery state that we talked about where our brain processes events and actually gives it time to actually recuperate. Okay, and so that's going to be important. So just think about it if you were an athlete. And so you're an athlete who is training. And so, you know, let's just say you've got your 
your um, horrible worst performance at the bottom, and you got your top performance there at the top. So whatever, you know, you have your performance. And so then what you do is you go out and you train. Okay. And so as you train, you know, of course you, you get tired a little bit. And so your the train ends and then your body comes back up to whatever the baseline is because it's starting to recover. And then from there, it goes actually a little bit higher. Okay. So then what happens is then you, you, you train, but now you're training because this is happening over a period of time. And so now you're getting what's known as a new baseline. Then it dips, goes down your performance dips. It goes down, it comes back up and then you have another new baseline. Then what happens? Okay. As you recover, you get ready and then you train again. Okay. And you train what happens Performance dips down a little bit, then it comes back and it hits a new baseline. So then what happens is each time that you're working it and doing it, you're actually getting stronger, but you have to have that period of time of recovery in there. And so just think about that. So that analogy between, I'm going to say sports and stress, it kind of helps us to um, think about the the big challenge of managing stress. So if I have poor self-awareness, And so let's just think about, let's keep this on the gym thing because I think it makes it easier. So at the gym, so we're acutely aware of, you know, like when you're straining your muscles or when you're resting your muscles. And so you've got those two phases. And so when we consciously add new varied exercises, in our case, it would be behaviors because you'd be working with me. We'd be introducing that to our workout we actually become stronger and more flexible over time. Now, when you're first doing it, you're like, oh, man, this seems really hard. This seems difficult. This seems like I don't even know if I can do that. Well, it's the same thing when we're talking about the stress. When it, when I'm working with individuals, that's what we're doing and say, okay, so now we're going to try this technique. And you're like, whoa, Coach T, man, that seemed harder. You know, it's like when you, when someone, you start taking medicine for a cold or something, you feel like, am I getting worse But I just took this stuff. Well, yeah, sometimes because your body is in that phase. And so it's the same. It's the same way when we're talking about this. All right. So as a coach, I can't leave you without. Okay, so what are some things that we can can do when we're talking about how we're going to optimize managing, managing our stress, making the stress work for us? The first thing I'm going to suggest to you is just simply this. Locate and describe your stress, right? And so as, as people, we share a common physiology response to stress, but the stress that you experience also is uniquely yours, right? And that's why when I'm working with individuals and we're doing journaling stuff and I might ask them, I'll say, Hey, how does that feel in your body? Because you're a unique individual. So what triggers a stress response in one person may hardly register on another person's scale. And so some people feel stressed and they become aggressive while others, what they do is they withdraw. So just like that, our methods of recovery are also unique. One person, they might, you know, ride a bike or something another versus another person for them. It's reading a book, but you got to be able to locate and describe your type of stress. Okay. So, what does it mean to be aware of your own stress? So here are some, some, some questions just for you to think about uh, that might actually help you. Okay. So in a typical week, 
you know, how often do you feel well rested? Okay. How often during the work day do you seek moments of recovery versus powering through? I'm just going to power through it. Right. Especially for us as guys. <laughs> Type A. Okay. Um, I'm going to say in a typical week, how often do you feel fully engrossed in your work or in the state of flow? Now, oh my goodness, I could go down total paths of this, but if you want to, if you want that, you have to coach with me. We'll talk about states of flow and the neuroscience, and there are different ways that we can put ourselves in states of flow. And if you don't know what a state of flow is, for those of you that are athletes and you know that whatever you're running or you're performing some type of of sport and something, and it's just like this big, like this big sink where everything just comes together. You're not even really thinking about it, and you're just performing at your peak performance, and it's just almost like everything is just happening for you because you're in what's known as state of flow. And we know actually from a neuroscience perspective, you can actually create those states of flow uh, in your life. Okay. Anyway, that's what for those that, those that are doing the coaching, we'll get on that. And so when you think about these state of flow, how long do these periods last? What time of the day or night do they actually occur? Okay. Here's some other questions to think about. Remember, we're talking about locating and describing your stress. What are the biggest sources of stress in your life? Um, and what circumstances, I'm going to say, does stress from one, back, one aspect of your life surface in another, right? And so what does that look like? So maybe you have stress at work. Do you take that stress at home? Is it showing up at home? So maybe you are arguing with the spouse, the significant others, or taking it out on the kids. How is it showing up? And then how are you coping with the stress? So do your coping mechanisms, I'm going to say, deplete your energy, or does it restore them? Because if so, then maybe we need to find some different coping mechanisms if they're actually depleting or draining um, how often do you recognize your stress in the moment? And this is really key um, versus afterwards. If you were to talk with Scotty, I remember when I first started working with him, I think he shared this on one of the on one of the podcasts. Right. And so Scotty has that type A with personality at times. And so I would challenge him and I said, OK, Scotty, I need you to be in the state of being and not a state of doing. And he'll tell you that was one of the most difficult things for him to do, to be actually in just in the state of being, as opposed to always being in the state of doing. And I told him, I get it. I said, I get it, because I was even raised from, from that perspective, the old mentality, if you're not doing anything, you're not being productive. I mean, even if you're on vacation, right? So the state of being versus the state of doing. All right, here's the, here's the next thing. So what do we want to do? So what we want to do is now that we have located and kind of described that stress, make sure that you're creating a space for engagement and focus. Like I said, many of us, we, you know, we're overstressed, we're exhausted, we're, we're overworked. And so making focus is hard to, to, to maintain and so what happens is oftentimes we just switch to what we call remote, remote working. Our brain kind of goes into that. And it's interesting because even when we're looking at the neuroscience, we think that a lot of the decisions that we make, we're actually making decisions. And actually we're not. 
we're like, yeah, I made a decision. No, actually, it was just rote. Okay, so it was habit or what we call habit forming. But what we need to do, though, when we're talking about creating space is we need to, to, to form a new habits that can actually help us turn the tables on stress. So, you know, I'm going to say con- consider some of the following things. Just block time for deep work. Okay, deep work. So those of you that are working with me, that's one of the reasons I have you doing your journal and stuff, blocking times for deep work. So reserve, I'm going to say, one to three hours in your calendar, okay, where you, I'm going to say at least per week, where you could have focus time, where you've turned off the emails and the chats, you've you've put the phone, whatever, somewhere, probably in the dryer. <laughs> uh, and so you just have an opportunity where you can just hunker down in peace, okay? Reduce your distractions, Right. So that's pretty much what I'm just shelling, telling you to do when you when you when we block the time. You're going to reduce those distractions. So turn off those mail notifications because uh, sometimes some of you, some of us, what we're doing is um, I'm saying we're tripping our brains out. Right. So you hear that little ding on your text. And guess what your brain does? Right. Your brain automatically goes there and it might actually be giving you a little dopamine thrill because you're like, oh, what did I, I want to know what's happening? What's being said? Right. And so you're kind of, I'm going to say, tripping dopamining your brain out. And so I even, what I'll do, I'll turn off the little ding and I'll just say, you know what, for this certain amount of time, I don't want to hear this because then it's just going to distract me. Okay. Um, And then just, um, as we said, take time from those things that are distracting and draining you. Okay. That's really going to be important. All right. Here's the next thing. You got to create conditions for rest and recovery, right? So we talked about the first part of the wave, the curve at the top. So we've got the stress. We're trying to adapt to the stress. We get to the top. We come down to the downside. Our brain wants the rest and recovery. So we've got to create conditions for it. So during our focus states, we should be hopefully also anticipating that we're going to have time for recovery, Right. And so the second mental state to master is that rest and recovery state. So you need to build it in. You need to create conditions for it. This is one of the things as I was working with the individual and I was coaching him and he had noticed, like we said, that his number three, whatever priority was health and wellness. And by the time we finished, he, he was just questioning himself, well, why isn't that number one? And I noticed what was interesting as we were talking, he kept coming up with excuses, right? When we're talking about, okay, so what would be a best way for us to do that, to move our health and wellness, you know, up to our first place, because that's really what we need. And it would be like, well, you know, well, I could, I could, you know, actually start working out, but you know, I don't really want, you know, if I work at the end, work out at the end of the day, I don't know if I'm really going to be able to get in, but but if I were to work out in the morning, that means I would have to get up a little bit earlier. And so he was coming with all these different type of things. And I'm just I'm just listening. And it's like, OK, so, you know, how important is number three to you? You know, based upon the fact that, you know, health hasn't been a good issue for you and you don't want to go back to where you were before. Right. And so you got to create those conditions for rest and recovery. So add those breaks to your routine. If you're in a job, whatever you're working, 
you know, hard every day, then actually schedule those breaks. So we call them micro breaks to whatever your routine is. And here's another thing when we're talking about rest and recovery, and I'm a horrible, and I'll tell you, I'm horrible at this too, but you got to get a ser- serious about your sleep. Okay. You really got serious about your street, your sleep. And I know it's challenging because it's one of the challenging things for, for many people, for many of us to try aim and get that reliable, you know, whatever, seven, seven hours. And they even got studies now, I guess, depending on how old you are, but you know, seven, they'll say seven to nine for some people, they get more. Uh, They'll talk about these different type of things, but how can I get serious about my sleep? So maybe, you know, I need to make sure I'm not drinking the lattes if caffeine is an issue for me, like before bed. (laughs) And um, I think who was the neuroscience? I think it was Matthew Walker. And he talked about um, how caffeine actually has a half-life of up to six hours in the body. And so it means that one quarter of the caffeine from your 2 p.m. whatever latte could still be in your system at at midnight, right? I didn't even know that caffeine had a half-life, right? That's like radioactivity, right? And so that was something. Regular exercise. This is something I'm trying to put back into my life regularly to make sure that I'm dealing with the the, the stress from a better perspective. Of course, you guys know I'm going to say eat better and hydrate. Hydrate is really important. Speaking of which, I need to actually get some water. You can tell my voice. There we go. Good. It's going there a little bit. And then just breathe. Seriously, just breathe. Walk outside early in the morning. Take a couple of deep breaths. Allow your body just a few minutes of practicing that deep, slow breathing actually reactivates our parasympathetic nervous system. And it actually helps to break that vicious cycle of stress. Okay, so get out, get out in the morning or in the evenings or whatever, and just take that walk and breathe in some air. All right. So is that enough? Yeah, I think that's quite a bit. So all right, guys, that we're going to call that kind of a a wrap for for now. And so Um, I think that's a pretty good, if you want to say ending for us on how we're going to turn this stress into optimal stress and realizing it in our lives. And for us as survivors, like I said, oftentimes, um, I'm going to say the stress in our life is on autopilot and it's because we've experienced, you know, so much stress in our life and coping mechanisms that sometimes we don't even realize it. And so Whoever you're working with, well, if you're working with your therapist, you're working with your coach, right? I, I really want you in, in your life to really just take time and just really locate that stress and, and describe it like we talked about. So you can at least acknowledge that it's there, right? And then it's up to you to decide as you move forward what is going going to be. But you've got to at least first acknowledge it. All right, guys. So remember, safe place for men. Go up to the website. Hey, speaking of which, um, for those of you that are interested, I did put a um, new uh, MP3 um, visual meditation up on the website for free. And it's called Build Your Confidence. And so it's one I did. It's one that I use in the coaching program. Um, but you don't have to pay for this. So if you want it, you just go up to the website. It's there on the f- right there on the homepage. And all you got to do is click on that. 
a free build your confidence MP3, put in your first name, your email, click the thing that tells me that you're not a bot. Man, I've been getting so many of those um, lately, you know, and so I don't feel it with not people that aren't real, just the bots that are feeling. Then I have to go through and do all the delete. But anyway, do that. Hit the submit button. And then what it does, it'll send you an email with the MP3 in it. And then what you do is you just, you simply, you, you listen to it. You, you take the time. And let me tell you, I know so many times we like, what is it going to do for me just listening to it? You know what? If you create that space that we talked about, allow yourself to listen to it a couple, a couple of times. Maybe you can do it, you know, once in the morning, maybe another time in the evening, or maybe a couple of times, you know, a week. And just notice if you notice a difference from even just taking that time to focus on building your confidence and see how it works for you. But feel free to go up to the website and, and do that. Click on that. That's something I just want to, to give to you. Like we said, we got to keep this going. And then, like we said, if you if you want a, a picture or portrait of Rod who shared how Safe Place got him the life that he wanted, you can read kind of his little excerpt there. It's not long. It's only like three three paragraphs, but He'll tell you about the life that he, he wanted, like, you know, like the six-figure career job, and he wanted to retire by 60, just some different type of stuff. And so those were the things that, as we worked through the sexual abuse issues, we also worked on those things, and that's kind of what he's sharing with you there. So feel free to go up to the website, do that. If you want to be one of the insiders, right, you just go up and you click on that subscribe to the members access, right? And you've got three levels there, tier one, which is 25, tier two, 35, and then tier three. And then that's, you're going to get that information. You're going to be part of that for, I think it is six months. And that just gives you an opportunity to maybe start at that level. And then a lot of people, what happens is they're like, wow, this is pretty cool. I want to take it to the next level. Can I do the actual program and coaching, right? That's up to each individual. But I like to have you at least have something. And then, once again, the digital magazine will be coming out in September. So if you want to go and get your subscription, we're going to be doing three quarterly digital issues. So you'll get three issues um, per per year and uh, so if that's something that's interested in you because i haven't seen any i'm gonna say even magazines out there for uh, male survivors of sexual abuse and so now we've got i'm gonna say a magazine for survivors by survivors so the different interviews and things that i'm going around and and asking people for they're they're sharing we've got people who are um, writing different articles and contributions. Some of them you've actually heard on the show before. We've just decided, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to put more out there, more resources. So whatever it is, right, go up to Safe Place for Men, take a look at the website, click on all the buttons, see what's there. If there's something there that, you know, interests you, feel free. If you just want to contact me, you guys know, send me email, safeplaceformen at gmail dot com. And I love this because, you know, here it is. I'm just thinking, you know, it's so cool to be in this space. Okay, 20 years later and now just thinking about, you know, succession. How do we keep this going? Right. Because we, ha- we all have survivors. Right. And so how do we keep this going so that when whoever is, is ready to start the journey, wherever they're at, 
that there's still a place for them to go. And I'm glad and blessed that I've been able to create this space. And now I'm being blessed to actually help some other organizations out there create programs also for male survivors. So look, it's a win-win. And I am so happy and so glad that I have the opportunity to do that. All right, guys, I know I went totally over time today, but hey, we're talking about stress. I wanted to share with you what I could, what I had in the time there. So this one will be just a little bit longer. So you know what? Just divide it up. So do 20 minutes and 20 minutes. Um, But then for those of you that are on the treadmill, hey, guess what? You're at the 45-minute mark. And so now maybe that was your 45-minute workout, and you had someone here to carry you through that workout. All right, guys. So until our next show, hey, be safe. And remember, there's always someone here on the end. If you need someone to share with, share your story, send me that email. All right, guys, until our next meeting, be safe.